Welcome to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Daly, entrepreneur, life coach, and your no BS bestie, here to bring you all things mindset, manifestation, and personal development. This podcast is designed to help you expand your mind and up-level your life. So turn the volume up and roll the windows down if you're coming along for the ride. Let's go Makeshift Happen. Okay, welcome back, guys, to the Makeshift Happen podcast. I'm here today with a super special guest. Her name is Claire, and she's better known as the Ayurveda coach. After graduating with a master's degree in music, Claire spent 12 years working as a senior artist manager for an international classic music agency in London. In 2016, she gave birth to her daughter, but lost her mother to ovarian cancer just a few weeks later. Suffering with her health, both physically and emotionally, she committed to studying Ayurveda, initially for her own healing, but soon discovered that this ancient Indian healing system offered knowledge and treatment methods that could help so many others, if only they had a way to access it in a way that felt relatable and relevant. With this in mind, Claire founded the Ayurveda Coach in June of 2019 and sees patients in London and all over the world thanks to online consultations. Her first book, Forever a Press, part of the Penguin Random House, is out on the 13th of August, 2020, so it's coming very, very soon, and it is titled Balance Your Agni, An Essential Guide to Ayurveda. Welcome to the show, Claire. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive into this chat because just as we were saying before I hit record, I know a little bit about Ayurveda from my yoga teacher training, but it's very basic, very minimal. And I know that you are such a wealth of knowledge in all of these topics. So I'm so excited to learn from you and hear your story and how you got introduced to it and also share with the listeners this beautiful healing practice because I think likely this is the first time they've heard of it or maybe it rings a bell for them, but they don't know that much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, okay, first I, I when I'm listening to podcasts, yeah. I love to kind of like stalk the person, the guest, as I'm sort of listening to them. I like <laughs> to really be able to put like a, a face to a name or a voice Definitely. rather. So if you guys want to go and find Claire uh, while we're chatting, you can find her on Instagram at the underscore Ayurveda coach. And her website is the ayurvedacoach.com. So if you want to go creep on her while we're chatting, <laughs> you can go ahead and find her there. <laughs> That's one of my my favorite things. It's so true though. You do, don't you? Straight away you Google, you're like, who's this person? I need to see a face. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, I'm listening to their voice. It, and sometimes it shocks you, you know, when you hear a voice, or sometimes this happens to me with artists too. You hear a voice for so long and you kind of like build your own idea of what they must look like. And then you see them and you're like, that is the person yeah. behind yeah. that voice. Oh no, I hope I hope I hope the picture lives up to the voice. I hope it just <laughs> No, she's lovely, guys. She's lovely. She's beautiful. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into all the good stuff, the first question that I just want to kind of break the ice with is, because I think so many people are interested in this kind of stuff, and I definitely am, what is your morning routine look like? Mm -hmm. What are your essentials or what are the things that you love to do in the morning? 
So first thing in the morning, I'm afraid I'm an Ayurveda cliche. I do some tongue scraping, which maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. So it's a little kind of uh, little copper device. Um, it's like a kind of arch. And you just go from back of the tongue to the front about 10, 12 times just to scrape the tongue. And the reason we do this is to try and remove uh, toxins that have built up um, overnight. And the tongue is a really important diagnostic tool in Ayurveda. So um, it tells us a lot about our health and what's going on. If you scrape away a lot of sort of white coating, it means there's probably a lot of toxins in your intestinal tract and in your colon. Um, so it's good practice to kind of just take those out. There's bacteria there. You want to just scrape that off. So I always start the day with scraping my tongue because it just feels clean and uh, a nice way to start the day. And then I have a coriander water drink, which I maybe I'll talk about a little bit uh, later on as to why I do that. But I have this drink that I've soaked overnight, this whole coriander seed soaked in water, and I strain those and drink those first thing on an empty stomach. And that for me is, uh, I, I do that because it has very cooling properties. So in Ayurveda, I was carrying a lot of heat when I first started this practice and this journey. And it's part of my just kind of daily cooling the body a little bit where I carry a lot of heat. Um, so those are my first two things that I do actually without fail every day. And that sort of sets me up well. And then I normally make a cup of tea. <laughs> Because I'm British. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> um, and if I'm being uh, particularly Ayurvedic about it and having a bit of Indian influence, it's really nice to add some cardamom to that and some cinnamon, get those kind of spices going. And it really helps just to boost the digestion first thing in the morning. So I often have like a chai tea that I've made at home. And um, yeah, I love my tea. Couldn't be without my tea. Um, and then breakfast and get my daughter up, we have breakfast together. She normally eats the same thing as me, which is like an Ayurvedic rice porridge, which I can also tell you about later, but it's really delicious. We make it with white basmati rice and coconut milk. Again, all those lovely kind of sweet spices Yum. like nutmeg, cinnamon, cardamom, a few raisins in there. And again, it's just really delicious, really lovely grounding way to start the day. And because it's a little bit sweet, she eats it too. So that's good. So I'm happy she's had like a a good meal to get her started on the day ahead and and then that's it and then I'm usually off and up and about and seeing patients and having the day busy day and coriander mm. is what we call cilantro right right that's yes. leaves um so the fresh green leaves would you call that would you call it cilantro seeds as well I guess maybe you would I'm not sure but perhaps yeah, little brown seeds yeah so if so you soak the seeds in water and then you drink the water that's right yeah and does it taste like cilantro does it taste like coriander Actually, or no it doesn't what it tastes to me is very refreshing kind of botanical taste and I kind of like a like a cucumber water a little bit like that. Yeah, a little bit like that. It's very refreshing. So it's not, I mean, I give this to a lot of my patients because we have a lot in the Northern Hemisphere. A lot of people tend to have these kind of heat problems. What we call the pitta dosha is very aggravated. And so I give this a lot and people always look at me a bit at first, like you want me to soak spices in water and then drink it, you know, and they come back and they're like, I love this coriander water. It's delicious. <laughs> it makes me feel so 
and it's really good it really boosts the circulation like it just it's a really good kind of morning pick me up actually it's really refreshing really cooling so yeah yeah people can give that a try it sounds good it sounds good actually I might have to try my 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 pitta well which we'll get into what this is for people that yeah. have <laughs> never heard of it but I, mine is quite high. I think I'm very fiery. So ah. maybe I need some of this cooling energy. And it's funny that you brought up the tongue scraper because I was like, oh, I have to ask Claire about the tongue scraping because I have one. I have the copper one. I got it on like Amazon. It's not super like professional or anything. It just reminded me of it since we were going to have this interview because I'm not super religious with it. So just the other morning, I pulled it out and I was like, oh, I better start tongue scraping. <laughs> And sure enough, there was a lot of stuff. So I guess. And the more you do it, the, the more it improves. And even the texture of your tongue, everything, people, you're like, you can start to see a change and a really healthy tongue that's smooth, not too much coating, no ridges around the edges. You know, it's a really good sign of internal health. So yeah. keep an eye on your tongues. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Stick your tongue out every once in a while. Check it out. And And do you ever do the oil pulling? I think... If I'm not mistaken, that's also an Ayurveda thing. Absolutely, that is. I don't do that so much. Um, I actually get my husband to do that. He has very sensitive gums. And um, he's, I mean, his teeth are perfect. Like he's never had a filling, beautiful, white, straight teeth. He's so lucky. But he has these really sensitive gums and he gets a lot of plaque buildup. So for him, oil pulling either with sesame oil or with coconut oil has been really, really effective in strengthening the gums. And again, it helps to remove that plaque and that kind of bacterial buildup in the mouth. So yes, uh, although I, I don't do it because I don't particularly need to because I don't have those issues. So um, it's not always, and you'll find with Ayurveda as you explore it more, there's never quite a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think tongue, um, tongue scraping is probably universally great for everyone. But Not everyone needs to do oil pulling, but you know, if you want to give it a go, give it a go. So you just take a tablespoon of the oil and you literally just sort of swish it around your mouth for kind of five minutes and then spit it out. And that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to, I was going to, I've never actually tried it, but I've been wanting to, but I'm, I'm like scared. (laughs) I'm scared I'm going to hate it. (laughs) I think if you're a first timer, I think coconut oil is the way to go because it's kind of more palatable as well. So traditionally, we, we use sesame oil, and that's what's recommended in the in the ancient text. But that's quite heavy. It's like a really thick kind of oil, and the taste is strong. So I always say coconut oil is a good way good way to start if you're a beginner and you're scared. And <laughs> yeah, because coconut is at least a little bit better of a flavor, especially in the morning, because you're supposed to do it right when you wake up before you like you do anything else, right? It's like the first thing. Yeah, I think I'd scrape tongue, then oil pull. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think <laughs> I'm going to try it after our conversation because I've been wanting to try it for a long time. I just have been avoiding it because I'm like, oh, what if I like hate it? <laughs> Gag on the oil. You know, you should, it's, you should be fine. Like, I do it from time to time. And yeah, it feels it feels quite nice and clean afterwards. Like it lifts a lot of stuff away. So Yeah. Okay. So for people, for people who aren't familiar at all with Ayurveda and they're like, what the heck are these people? What are these yeah, chicks yeah. talking about? <laughs> Scraping your tongue, swishing oil inside your mouth. Um, Ayurveda is like a holistic health sort of practice and it's really old. It's like more than 5,000 years old or something like that. Super old. So we reckon about 10,000 years. Oh my gosh. Okay. The text of the written, when they first wrote it down, 
5,000 years. Before that, it was kind of passed down through melodic Sanskrit verses or songs. So this is how they passed it down from generation to generation. And so it's actually, it hasn't changed because it was passed down in this way as a song, because we all find songs easy to remember, so it's great. Mm -hmm. Then it was written down as such, and obviously those texts have been preserved. We can still read those now, they've been translated. And yeah, so a lot of what you're reading, a lot of what you're reading is, and and when we get onto this, sort of all the, the different elements and the wording they use, you know, we have to try and understand it more now in modern terms. So there's a lot of talk about, and my book is about, this thing called the digestive fire, this agni is your digestive fire. And obviously it doesn't mean a literal fire, but now we would understand digestive enzymes, probiotics, the mm. microbiome in the gut, all that kind of thing. So it's it's a kind of old language and it's an old way of looking at things, but it, it's so, so relevant for modern life. And Yeah, and it comes from Sanskrit, doesn't it? The same language that we use in yoga. Absolutely, yes. So Sanskrit is how it's all written down. And um, it's really beautiful, actually. Sanskrit's a beautiful language. And often the roots of different words that we have in English now come from Sanskrit. And and there's a lot of kind of correlation with, with that as a language. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating that, that this has survived for so many thousands of years. And um, it actually, there's eight different branches of, of medicine. So it, it covers everything from pediatrics to geriatrics to surgery to women's gynecological issues. Um, everything is covered. It's like a complete medical system. Um, and you know, in Sri Lanka and in India, it's, it's really widely practiced. This is where it came from. And, and they have hospitals there. And you have the choice to go either to a, a kind of Western or allopathic hospital and see doctors there mm-hmm. in a Western way, or you can go to the hospital and go to the Ayurveda hospital and be treated uh, in a more natural way, which how amazing is that to give people yeah. the choice to do that? Because, you know, Western medicine definitely has its place, you know, we, antibiotics or these kind of things, you know, surgery right now, um, all of those things are so important. But for a lot of kind of long-term conditions that people have to rely on taking medication for a long time, it's nice to give people a different option. So Ayurveda can treat so many of these illnesses and diseases in a really natural um, and holistic way. So yeah, maybe one day we'll see that um, in, yeah, in Europe so. and in I, the States. It would, be, it would be amazing to give people that choice. I know, that would be so cool. And I'm here in Spain and I find it's, I had to, like, I was having gut issues right. at one point and I found it so difficult to try and find someone who would take a holistic approach and look at everything. You know, I would go to the doctors and they were like, well, you don't have any parasites. Well, you don't have this, that, or the other thing. You're not intolerant to gluten or dairy, so you're fine. And I'm like, well, I'm not fine because I'm in pain every day mm. and I have all of this discomfort mm. and bloating and like horrible pains where I like double over and I can't even walk because of the, the, how bloated I am from whatever yeah. I'm eating yeah. was my sort of, you know, interpretation of it. Um, so it is difficult when you live in a part of the world that doesn't have that as readily available. So I think it's, 
and it's really powerful. We ha- we definitely have to become our own advocates for our health and our bodies in that way. And so I think that's why it's so powerful being able to talk to people like you and share your message because the more that we know, the more that we can advocate for ourselves and we can understand, oh, maybe this isn't what you know, the Western doctor had predicted that it might be for me. And maybe I can look into a naturopath or someone else that might be able to take a, a second yeah. approach and give me another opinion. Yeah. And I think what you've just described, those kind of digestive issues, I see all the time with people and young people, like, you know, young women, especially working hard, careers on the go all the time, so much going on. And a lot of them are kind of, I'm not saying this is you, but they're in a kind of burnout almost. And that is not a condition that's necessarily recognized, but it needs treatment. It needs help. And these digestive issues are where everything begins with Ayurveda. This idea of this digestive fire that I mentioned, there's a beautiful line in the Sanskrit text, which says the root cause of all disorders is an impaired agni, an impaired digestive fire. So it's saying literally everything whether it's mental health, whether it's a skin condition, whether you have arthritis, where you have um, heavy periods, hormonal issues, everything comes back down to the digestive fire. So we fix that with correct eating, with some herbs and things, Ayurvedic herbs, and then the problem starts to resolve itself. And it's, it's so, even to me, Samantha, I mean, I haven't been doing this very long, but it just blows my mind every time I see a patient and I treat them this way through diet, through some herbs and the changes that can come about. It's really, really Yeah. And I, I was on your website and I was, you guys have to go and look at her website and read the testimonials from the people that have worked with her. Because I told her before we started recording, I was like, I need to work with you because <laughs> I was reading her testimonials. And it's so, because it, it's people of all different ages, all different issues, like, Mm. and they can take this practice. Mm. And like you said, it's not one size fits all, which is why it is so important to work with a coach, a practitioner that can really look at you individually and say, okay, this is how we're going to address it. And everything starts to kind of like fall into place when you sort out your digestive fire. And didn't, wasn't it Hippocrates that said all disease begins in the gut? So it's like, we've known this yeah. forever and yeah. then we just somehow forget about it again in, in modern medicine. And we, and we don't, we, we've got this intuition in, inside us as well. And, and, you know, we know when something's not right, but we just necess- don't necessarily have the tools to kind of know how to fix it. And I think Ayurveda and teaching people about Ayurveda helps to give people that kind of power to have some tools. And hopefully I can share a few tips, you know, during this podcast so people can go away and feel a little bit empowered to kind of take this back into their own hands. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what he said. And um, it's a really powerful message. And I think, I think Western medicine is just starting to go there with it. You know, they're starting to do studies into gut health and mental health, particularly, they really found a link there. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a place where I think Ayurveda can be really, really helpful. It's a, it's a big topic right now. And yeah, so I'm just really happy anyone who can be talking about this, talking about gut health, digestion, digestive fire, get people aware, um, you know, what's normal and what's not and, and when they need to take action. 
Yeah, because I think there's a lot of things too that we've just sort of been conditioned to accept as like, oh, that's just how it is, especially Mm. with like PMS or Mm. bloating or certain things like that where it's like, oh, you know, you're just going to get moody on your period or you're going to get acne or you're going to get hot flashes when you go, when you have menopause. Like. And we just, we've built this idea around that's just the way that it is and you have to live with it. But actually, like, there's a way to not have to live with that if you can work on it properly. And these are signs from the body saying, listen to me, I'm not okay. I'm out of balance. Listen to me. You need to make changes. I mean, even things like going to the toilet, there's a lot of information, maybe like on the NHS website here in the UK about how often we should go for a poo every day and it will say things like whatever's normal for you well some people that come to me once a week is normal but that isn't normal like you're carrying around all that crap basically in your body yeah literally you need to go to the toilet every day and you know again that's all linked to digestion and it's all it's all early warning signs and pay attention to them Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the doshas because these are the different sort of, this is what I think people are going to find really interesting because it's kind of like a personality test and everybody loves personality tests. You get to figure out what's your dosha like, or I guess what's, because we have all of them, if I'm right, there's some level of constitution of all of them within us, but we have a dominant one or maybe one that's like prominent out of balance. That's right. You'll be better at explaining that. But from my knowledge, there's Vata, Pitta, and Kapha. And then there's different combinations of those that could kind of represent what your body type is. Exactly. And yeah, so just go go ahead and kind of explain <laughs> the doshas to everybody and like what those are and what what the heck it means. So this is this is actually, yeah, this is good fun. So we have these three doshas, Vata, Pitta, Kapha. You're exactly right. Now they represent the five elements. Um, of the universe, the building blocks of life that we're all created from. So it's ether, air, fire, water, and earth. And the vata dosha represents the air and ether qualities. So the vata dosha is is dry, it's light, it's rough, it's cold, it's like a windy day. And pitta is fire and water. So it tends to be more fiery, the fire kind of dominates the water. And its qualities are kind of sharp, brightness. Um, It's almost, um, it's like a kind of pickled mustard vinegary kind of quality, like that kind of sharpness to it and heat, Mm -hmm. obviously. And then kapha is the water, the earth. Uh, So this is a heavy, the heavier kind of dosha. And, you know, this really represents in the body the kind of building blocks. So like the, the bones and things, you know, the structures. Whereas pitta, that fire is, is more intelligent. It's our eyesight. It's the digestive enzymes. And then vata, the air and the ether is the kind of circulation, the breath, all of this side of things. So that's how it works on that kind of level. And as you said, we all have at least one dominant dosha. So we have all five of those elements. So we have all three of those doshas within us. I am a pitta dominant person with quite a lot of kapha. You're saying me too. A little bit, <laughs> a little bit of vata. At least I was definitely like that before I started Ayurveda. They're a bit more kind of equal now, but strongly pitta. Um, and because of that, that means I tend to be more prone to pitta type disorders. So things 
to do with inflammation, too much heat in the body, so heavy periods, migraines, acne breakouts, irritability, that kind of thing. Um, but what I find really interesting about these doshas, and there's lots of quizzes online that ask lots of questions about what size is your nose, tick one for vata, what, what do your teeth look like? This just really confuses people. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you about if there's anything that you recommend to kind of determine sort of what your dominant dosha is, because I know there's so many free quizzes and I've I've taken them myself. And then we yeah. did one in the yoga teacher training. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I don't know, when you work with clients, do you have your own specific method of figuring it out? Yeah. Because I was surprised that a lot of the questions have to do with actually like your physical makeup like bone density is your hair like greasy or dry your skin is it oily so much of this is actually probably representing what's imbalanced rather than understanding our true doshic makeup which weirdly or just incredibly is decided at the point of conception so the point of conception whatever elements are most dominant in the mother and the father at that time become the most dominant elements within us that decides our doshic makeup there and then which I love but over the course of life these will get thrown out of balance from the seasons what age we are what we're eating what we're doing where in the world we're living so when you're doing these quizzes is your hair greasy I mean it doesn't necessarily tell you what your true dosha is so I really like to go by the characteristics of people and I'll explain a little bit there's actually there's a really nice chapter in the book which I've called meet the doshas and it's this kind of analogy of the three characters you know they're like people and they go Mm -hmm. they go off to build a bridge it's like you put all three of them in charge and the kind of chaos ensues because of the three different characters but yeah I give you a bit of a summary now so the vata type person if you're strongly vata then you will tend to be your body type will tend to be naturally quite skinny they don't tend to easily put on weight Quite, mm-hmm. quite variable hunger. They're not that fussed about food. But they are socially outgoing, very creative types, um, very free-spirited, um, don't like to be kind of kept in a box. Um, they might get married, have kids, get a dog and a mortgage, do all those kind of things that society lays out. You should tick off boxes and do, but they won't necessarily feel very comfortable in it. They'll feel a little bit kind of like, I need to escape and go and travel the world for six months or something. So they've got this kind of free-spirited element, this creativity. So that's why I think actually you've got quite a fair bit of Vata in you. I read your story too, and I think, you know, there's this yeah. there. You know, I, I was just looking back, I because before we got on, I was like, I want to know, because I know for sure I've – I've strongly identified with Pitta Mm. from all of the quizzes that I've ever taken. And I was like, I really want to pull out the one that I did in my teacher training just to kind of remember Mm. um, what my score was. I guess we had to like tick all the ones that sort of made sense to us in each column. And so I had 10 points in Pitta, six points in Vata, and two in Kapha. Not very much Kapha. Yeah, that sounds about right for you. Um, Yeah, I think that's right. And so that's the kind of Vata person. But, you know, all that kind of free-spiritedness, they're like little butterflies or birds, um, that can lead to the kind of disorders such as anxiety, insomnia, um, things like constipation or lack of periods. So all these kind of drying qualities mm-hmm. of things. So when things get too dry in that Vata body, too much air and ether kind of spinning around, going out of control, 
So Vata people need to always just check in and just calm down a little bit. Sit down, put your feet up, have a cup of tea and a piece of cake and just like relax, okay? Vata needs to do that. Pitta is, yeah, the fiery ones. They often get kind of written off for being, oh, well, then they're irritable and moody and da-da-da. Not so, only if they're out of balance. You know, there's lots of good qualities about Pitta. They're intelligent people. They have drive, they have ambition, they get things done. If you want a project done, or if, like, in, in the lead-up to all this book stuff, I, I needed to engage someone to do PR, and I met this woman, I mean, she was 100% Pitta, and I was like, oh, yeah. you've got the job, you all get it done. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want some Vata type flitting off to go and learn pottery yeah. or something. Like, I need, you, you get the job. So, yeah, Pitta's great leadership, great intelligence, great drive, all those kind of things, but that fire can get easily out of control they like they have a love of luxury as well so they like nice food nice wine maybe they overindulge in those kind of things can create a lot of acidity in the body and a lot of inflammation um it's kind of like if you look at kind of bankers or something in the city or like kind of lawyers and they're under these really stress high pit of stress kind of jobs working at that kind of level and they drink a lot of red wine and they eat a lot of steak and they all have kind of red faces and bold heads and they're all yeah. like angry all the time. and this is like this is like pitta at its worst so that gives you an example of that kind of that's what a kind of pitta dominant person would be like not necessarily always bold but you know it's that it's that kind of they can be fiery and stressy but they also have good ambition good drive to get things done yeah. And I had this one curious thought when I was thinking about my my being predominantly pitta yeah. and the elements that are encompassed there, which is the fire and the water. Yeah. And my my, you know, my natal chart in astrology, I'm a Sagittarius, which is a fire sign, mm. and my moon is Cancer, which is a water sign. Mm. So I was like, is this like could it all be connected? Like is it related? Like have you ever thought about that or do you know anything about that? Oh, Vedic astrology, so the line of astrology that's linked to Ayurveda again blows my mind. I mean, I don't know anything enough about it at all, but I I had a, a short reading with someone once actually from my daughter she's only four years old but literally everything he said for the short space of her lifetime so far was like yeah 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 that, it's incredible and again like he predicted what her dosha would be strongly mm -hmm. in her case based on the signs so you have fire and water that's pitta and you came out 10 points for pitta that is your dominant dosha so it's I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's nuts. But again, it's that thing of the universe and the elements and everything that's come together to create us. And if you if you just stop and think about it for a little bit, it's not that it's not that crazy. Like it's not that kooky or out there. Like, how are you gonna deny it? Like it's kind of yeah. Um so really that's really interesting. Um I should talk about okay, so we've done we've done Vada and we've done Pitta. So tell us about the Kapha people. How lovely, are they? Lovely Kapha people. Because well, I can't relate. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I have a fair bit of Kapha in me. I'm not 100%. Yeah, I'm, I, quite a bit, but I'm not a super Kapha. But we all need a Kapha friend. And if you don't have one, you need to go and find one. Because Kaphas are calm and loving and kind of gentle um they love chill to, it sounds really like they're chill. they can like relax and sit down and not think about stuff you know like probably we would be like oh I need to do this need to do that da, 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 da. 
Barters would be running around 100 miles an hour by now. And cappers can just sit back and they can make the cup of tea and have the piece of cake and then have the second piece of cake. And like that's their downfall. So they can slide into kind of overeating, a bit of laziness, a bit of um, lack of get up and go a little bit. So they, they need to force themselves to be both mentally and physically stimulated. Barter and Pitta both need to calm down. Kaffa needs to kind of get going and have a bit of um, movement and stimulation because they can get very sort of stuck in their ways because they are just so calm and chilled. Um, um, but And so what are some of the sort of imbalances that you see with Kaffa? Would that be like depression or something because they are such a down sort of like grounded, very relaxed? Definitely. All the doshas can have depression. They'll have it in their own particular way. Kaffas really hold things. So they'll hold on to emotion, keep it all mm. in, you know, um, which can be kind of that, kind that of heaviness, heaviness, blockages and not letting go. You know, they need to let go and have a cry or a shout or do something. Heaviness in the body is a very Kaffa thing because they're water in the earth and it's that earth that kind of dominates. So they can tend to be, you know, they're prone to maybe gaining weight. Um, things like diabetes, obesity, um, those are kind of conditions that we see if you're a strongly Kaffa person, then you, you need to be careful because those are the kind of things that can happen if you let yourself kind of slide into the, into the Kaffa imbalance. They just have a sweet tooth and it's irresistible. <laughs> That's probably my two points in Kaffa yeah. is like ice cream and sweet. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I wanted to ask you about this because I I learned about this at one point as well, but I haven't I like I haven't really seen anything else about it except for this one sort of exposure that I had to it of this idea of I know there's an Ayurvedic clock, but I learned about this concept that there's certain times periods throughout the day, yeah. certain windows of time that are related to each dosha, and that that might be sort of your window of like when you feel the most energized or productive yeah. or what have you. I don't know if that's like accurate because I have very minimal knowledge of it, but I thought that was so interesting. It's super interesting. It's a little bit hard to translate exactly because of uh, different time zones. And when these um, Vedas or the, the kind of sages, you know, 10,000 years ago were first downloading all this knowledge, um, through their meditation uh, you know they're in a different time zone we can't be sure how time was measured but roughly speaking it's kind of like six till ten in the morning and at night is kapha time so if you wake up too much into if you wake up too late in the day even like nine or ten o'clock you feel kind of sluggish for the rest of the day because you've got that kapha heaviness and it's the same six to 10 in the evening. It's when you should be sort of slowing down and winding down, ready to go to mm -hmm. bed, maybe at like 10 o'clock. Then 10 to 2, morning and evening, is your pitta time. This is actually when we all get quite a lot of stuff done. Like a lot of us can be quite productive in that kind of earlier part of the day through to noon, early afternoon. But then um, if you stay up in the evening 10 to 2, yes, you could get like re-energized and not then, be able to fall asleep. Then you get into Vata time, two till six. So that 2 a.m. to 6 p.m. And how many people come to me and they're like, I wake up at 4 a.m. every morning and I can't get back to sleep. And it's Vata. Vata, that energy is woken. It's got you going. Um, 
And I don't know so much how many people at two till six p.m. in the afternoon get that much energy to do things. If they think like me, that's when I'm like just feeling like, oh, have a little sit down now, kaffa. Um, but yeah, it's that's kind of how it works. And I think if you, I think the important thing to take away from all of that is to keep a regular body clock. So keep regular mm-hmm. times as to when you eat and when you go to bed and when you get up, um, because then the body doesn't have to feel confused like what's happening now I wasn't expecting this so I think that's the thing to kind of take away from it and not worry too much about oh I need to do this at this time because this is pit of time or anything yeah. like that I think it's that regular regular habits that's yeah, yeah. the body loves that sort of routine knowing it. what to expect love, and just being it. able to fall into it yeah yeah Okay, cool. So let's, I want to hear about the six different tastes Mm. and what kind of foods are associated with them. Because as we've been talking about the doshas, Mm. obviously it, once you know your dominant dosha, you can kind of compensate. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, my minimal knowledge with the other sort of elements that perhaps you're missing. If you've gone overdrive, pitta, 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 all this fiery sort of foods, you can bring in some of those like cooling elements or what have you. So what exactly are the six tastes that we're kind of looking for? And should we try to check them all off or should our balance be unique to us? Mm. Well, this is all really interesting stuff. Good question. So the six tastes um, are sweet, sour, salty, bitter, pungent, and astringent. And talk a bit more about how to find those in a minute. But the idea of having all six is is what we try to encourage in Ayurveda because in that way you are balanced and you are satisfied. So how often do we want something sweet after we've just eaten or, or we need something salty at mm-hmm. 10 o'clock at night? It's a lack of balance um, in the diet and in the foods. And food should be delicious, I should just say as well. Like, don't don't kind of deny yourself delicious food. Don't eat a rice cake, like, as a meal. That is not a meal. There is no satisfaction. Your life is too short. So <laughs> I think one of the reasons <laughs> <dry> why... <laughs> one of the reasons why, uh, you know... Ayurveda, kind of born from India, India, Sri Lanka, and that kind of Asian cuisine, curries and so on, so delicious, is because they have all those six tastes, because we have something Mm. sweet, maybe from the bit of cardamom or the cinnamon, and they use little tiny amounts, little pinch, don't they, in the cooking. Or like the the pineapple sometimes in a yellow curry. Pineapple or like coconut milk. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't mean sugar necessarily. It's the kind of sweetness from that. Then they have a little bit of salt, that's salty. They might have a bit of lime or some tamarind. So that's your sour taste. Uh, bitter. So um, certain herbs like cumin or fenugreek, these kind of uh, spices that we use, they've got a really bitter taste. Pungent, ginger, garlic, astringent, mm-hmm. onions, garlic. Mix all of that together, you've got a delicious meal all taste balanced which means all doshas will be balanced so if you do if you don't know what you're dealing with go for all six tastes have a curry (laughs) um yeah um but there's other things you can do so vata dosha is aggravated by too much sweet sour and salty oh no sorry i'm sorry it's pacified as in it likes it (laughs) Vata vata dosha likes to have sweet sour and salty 
Vata will become aggravated if there's too much bitter, pungent and astringent tastes. And it's interesting because Vata people, like I was saying, they're kind of light and dry and rough and like birds. And they will kind of eat those kind of dry, rough foods, a lot of seeds and things like that. They're quite astringent and bitter tasting. And what they would probably benefit more from is that rice porridge I talked about at the very beginning with the coconut milk and the cinnamon and the cardamom because it's Mm -hmm. more sweeter taste. So Vata has to think about those kind of tastes. For Pitta people, we are pacified, calmed down by sweet, bitter and astringent. And we are aggravated by too much sour, too much salty and too much pungent. And Pitta people tend to like those strong kind of chili flavors, a lot of heat and pungency like that. And that it can be too much, can aggravate too much. And it's interesting. um, I always find this bit interesting for all the women out there who in the week before their period are craving sweet taste. Mm-hmm. This time before your period is a time of pitta, like progesterone is high, it's a pitta hormone, there's a lot of heat coming in the blood, so we want sweet, we want chocolate, we want ice cream, we want bitter, we probably have more coffee, we want astringent, we probably drink more wine than we should. Those are some things, mm-hmm. sweet, bitter, astringent. That's because the body's saying, my pitta's high, give me the stuff that calms it down. So that's good, you're saying, right? I it's mean... good that we listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'm saying have the chocolate the week before your period, but you can make better choices. Astringent, you can have a handful of pomegranates. That's astringent. You don't need to have the wine if you want to make better choices. Yeah. Um, you know, bitters in your kind of green leaves like kale, spinach, um, rocket, that kind of thing. So if you include a few more of those things in your uh, diet the week for your period you might find that the kind of PMS or those symptoms that you have in the lead up are not so uh, are not so bad not so hard to handle because your pits will be naturally kind of pacified now kapha is aggravated by the sweet the sour the salty all the things they really love and they need to have more of the bitter astringent and pungent so mm-hmm. you need to get the kaffir person who loves the cake and, you know, all that kind of stuff to have more of the bitter greens and the kind of root ginger and all those things kind of fire them up because they need that uh, stimulation in their bodies. So it's, yeah, there's a lot you can do just with taste alone if you understand those principles. That's all on my website as well. There's like a section about the taste. If, if people have got a bit lost in my explanation, you can go there, you can see it, and there's examples of foods you know, yeah, and you've got recipes too, really great recipes to kind of that'll yeah. show you like this is a, a pitta pacifying yeah. whatever yeah. you know. Yeah, there's quite a lot of that on my Instagram actually, and um, if, if, you, if people want to follow me on there, lots of kind of updates on yeah, what to eat and what to do to pacify the the different doshas and and how to do that easily. Yeah. Okay. So. The thing that I am sort of not as knowledgeable or clear about, and I know that you obviously are because it's the title of your book, <laughs> which is <laughs> balancing balancing the Agni, this digestive fire, right? Everything, all disease begins in the gut. Our digestive fire is sort of that part of our bodies. It's our digestive system. So, and I know that there's something called AMA. Mm-hmm which is the toxin. So it's just another Sanskrit word, but it's right. the 
to identify the sort of like toxicity in the body. So how does, can you explain the relationship between like Agni and Ama, the digestive fire and the toxins and how we can make our digestive fire more uh, balanced or healthier if it is um, thrown out of balance? This is a really big topic, really big subject, but really, really important. And what I try and explain to people is that these these agni, these digestive fires, there are actually hundreds of them in the body. And they are responsible for not just digesting food, but emotions as well. So as I said at the beginning, this is a 360 approach. Mm-hmm. The main ones we want to think about are those ones in our stomachs. But just to remember, everything that goes in, so food, drink, thoughts, emotions, something we watch on the news, an argument we have with a friend, it all has to be processed or digested by the agni in the body. Now, if the agni is not working correctly, then it can't process the emotion or the food and toxins are created. These armor is created and that begins to build up in the body, create kind of blockages, whether that means emotional blocks, which is not something we can see, or they become physical kind of blockages or the armor. You know, the easiest way to see armor sometimes is in patients with eczema because that's a really it's like the first tissue level you can see the toxins there under the skin Mm -hmm. and the way the body should work is that we should eat I don't know a a lentil dal or something we should eat that digestifier processes that it takes the nourishment and the goodness nourishes the seven tissue levels of the body takes the toxins we go for a poo we go for a wee we sweat it out job done it's a really simple system and the body is very very intelligent very clever it has all we need but if those digestive fires are not working correctly it just can't do its job properly there are different types of agni so you can have an agni that is really slow and sluggish not working very well this tends to be the kapha type of person so they will take a long time to digest food create a lot of toxins and armor because the food that they're eating is incorrect if they have too much kind of cold food too many raw foods very very difficult to digest very taxing on their digestive system so you can have a very very slow agni in that respect and you can then have uh, an agni that's too high so this is where it's burning too hot and we have this expression if you've heard of it of being hangry so you know when mm-hmm. someone's like, oh, God, I need to eat something or I'll kill someone. This is My boyfriend. I literally have to take carry <laughs> snacks with us just in case. And this used to be me. You know, the waitress comes with the menu. I'm like, yeah, you yeah, know, just take the order. <laughs> yeah. This is your agony is too high. Like the, the fire is burning. And uh, you have to be careful in this situation because it means a lot of acidity again will be created, a lot of heat, a lot of inflammation. If you're experiencing heartburn, if you're experiencing acid reflux, If you have very, very loose stools when you go to the toilet, these are signs that the agni is too high. So you need to look at the diet. You need to probably be on the pitta pacifying diet. So have that sweet, bitter, um, astringent taste and cool everything down. Take out the spicy food. That will really help. Then we have the agni that's kind of up and down and all over the place. And this is the vata agni, which Mm. is... Digestion is sometimes fast, sometimes slow, often a little bit on the constipated side, often very prone to bloating, 
gas, wind, those kind of things, because vata is air after all. Mm -hmm. And so it shows up as, as those, you know, the bloating and the gas in the body. And you might have very irregular hunger. So listen in for hunger. Am I, am I hungry at regular intervals? Am I eating when I'm hungry? Or am I getting hungry? Am, am I having a cup of coffee or a cold drink? Not a good idea. Nothing for the digestive fire to work with. It just puts it out. So things you want to do are definitely encourage people to try and drink warm drinks instead of cold drinks. Because that's straight away, if you imagine it's a fire, and I like to say pretend it's a flame there, what would you give to a flame to keep it burning steadily throughout the day? So cold drinks, cold food, straight away that puts out the fire. It smolders. It creates more armor and toxins. Um, so cooked, warm, nourishing foods, cook your veggies, even if it just means steaming them lightly or stir frying and, them. And is this like always for all types in general, we should be eating more kind yeah. of room temperature or warm totally. foods? Yeah, I really think so because very few people's digestive fires are what we call sama agni, which is the fourth type, perfect, <laughs> imbalance. <laughs> because it can't be, because we have life to live. We have stress to deal with. Like There's so many external factors other than just the food. Um, and those are affecting our agni too. Like how is our quality of sleep? Um, how are our relationships? Are we exercising too much or not enough? You know, all of these things are affecting the agni. So if you can just do it a favor and cook the food a bit before you put it into the body for its second cooking or digesting mm -hmm. then you are going to just feel so much better it can nourish you more because it can break down that food so much more easily and everything will just work that bit nicer because you won't be creating those toxins so yeah those would be those would be my kind of key things to do so would you ever would you ever drink like a glass of ice water or do you like never use ice I or like mean. do you have a smoothie bowl? Like <laughs> smoothie bowls? Like are we not supposed to eat those Look, anymore? We are frozen. We are humans. I I definitely like I definitely on a hot sunny day if we're at the beach, I will have an ice cream. Uh yeah. I will have a cold beer with my husband, you know one night a week or something I'm sounding very virtuous but of course <laughs> these things of course this is again balance like we have to yeah. be balanced um but I wouldn't have all my drinks during the day as iced drinks no I would try and have more warm drinks um I, I was going uh yeah what was I going to say smoothie bowls I mean for me personally I don't feel that good after them if I listen to my digestion I don't feel brilliant after them I would have a warm smoothie bowl I just wouldn't have a cold one. Um, so that would be my take on that. And if I did, I wouldn't do it every day. So again, balance. Like if you're doing something every single day, it's pro it's an excess of something. And it, yeah. it's going to cre create, you know, a, a, an imbalance. So yeah, have treats, have do these things sometimes, but maybe just don't do them all the time and see if you feel a difference. I was going to say there are, you know, things in your kitchen cupboard, home remedies that you can make um to help to balance that digestive fire yeah home. give us some give us some little ideas or tips or like the, what is something that you know an average person like me yep. who I, I don't have all the herbs and things because I know there's all kinds of herbs and concoctions yep. that you can make what could we use with the stuff that we already have to kind of give us a little bit of a boost so simplest thing to do that works for all types of agony and all types of doshas is cumin and honey. 
And to do this, it's really easy. Take a handful of cumin seeds, put them in a dry frying pan, just let them toast for probably about a minute or so till they go a little bit brown, the fragrance is released. Then take them off the heat, grind them up to fine powder in your coffee grinder with a pestle and mortar. And then you can keep that powder in a jar in the cupboard. And before you have your lunch, before you have your dinner, take a teaspoon of the powder, mix it with a teaspoon of honey, and take that before you eat. And that... Just the honey and the, yeah, and the powder. Just the honey and the cumin powder. And that we have found often, even at the clinic where I did my training, often that's what we give as the pre-digestive herb. There are, I mean, we have all sorts of things in our arsenals, much stronger herbs we can give. But if, if a person just needs a kind of bit of upkeep, bit of gentle balance, this works beautifully. And it's so simple. But cumin... Cumin seeds are absolutely fantastic for digestion. Um, but that is a really, really simple remedy. It tastes nice because of the honey. It's easy to do. So everyone give that a go. Do it for a week. See how you feel. Swap from cold drinks to warm drinks. Try yeah. cumin and honey before meals. See how your digestion's feeling afterwards, how your body's feeling. Yeah, and I love honey. So I want to try that just for the, the sole fact that I get to have some <laughs> honey. honey in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what would you say about, cause there's so many people that talk about first thing in the morning, they have a warm glass of lemon water. Mm -hmm. So lemon is obviously one of these bitter tastes. Yeah. So would that be something that's like for everyone or would that really depend on your dosha or what you have imbalance or out of balance at that time? Is that something we should do every day? Because that's it's so mm. common, I feel like, and mm. promoted now of like, wake up and have lemon water. It is. Um, I used to think, I used to do that too. I used to have it every morning and I thought I was doing something really wonderful. And I skipped into Ayurveda school being like, yeah, <laughs> I do my lemon water. What have I got to worry about? And the doctor there was like, don't don't do lemon water and we were all like we were like I mean and she said don't have smoothies don't have juices our jaws just dropped to the floor we were like what are you talking about yeah what this is what doing? all the influencers are doing <laughs> so the thinking behind it is the majority of us mo I mean most people that I come across are mainly pitta or vata I don't meet that many kapha people so we have heat and we have dryness pitta and vata in Ayurveda, the effect on the body of lemons is that it heats and it dries. Mm. So, I, I mean, I've seen incredible turnaround of people with things like rheumatoid arthritis, a really inflammatory condition of the joints. I asked them to stop taking turmeric shots, drying and heating, stop yeah. drinking lemon water, drying and heating, and, you know, the pain goes... <laughs> the inflammation goes so look again if you're really if you're really addicted to this thing I would say try lime and water lime and hot water because lime is actually cooling and lime doesn't have the same effect on the body uh, that the lemon does so if you want that kind of you know that kind of thing to feel I know people want to feel like they're cleansing a little bit and I get that yeah do it with the lime instead of the hot water or try my coriander water. So the three teaspoons, three teaspoons of whole coriander seeds, bash them up a little bit, put them in a glass of water overnight, leave it to soak, strain off the seeds in the morning, chuck them away and drink that water. And that 
actually is very cleansing. It's lightly detoxifying. It's what we call Agni Deepana Arma Parchana in Ayurveda. So Agni Deepana, balanced digestive fire. Arma Parchana, take out the toxins. So that would be mm. so much more good than the lemon water. And I know, I know I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> I'm putting people right in. Like, who is this woman? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> listen to this lady you know? on Sam's podcast. And she was talking about no smoothie bowls, no lemon water. Just, I mean, everything everything in moderation, obviously. In moderation. We have to- and it's just a different perspective. It's just a different perspective, you know, entirely. And um, yeah. Yeah. But what I love about this sort of this take, this perspective on our health is it really shows you why every diet isn't for everybody. There's not a one size fits all. Like some people will try veganism or they'll try a raw food diet or they'll try paleo or they'll try keto or whatever. And it's like, depending on what elements are in there, well, it makes sense that that's not going to work for everybody because they have their own and that's where the kind of, you know, when we see things on social media and we, we follow influencers and yes, for them, it might well be working wonderfully. But then, you know, equally, I, I see women all the time in my practice who have maybe, you know, gone from eating a wide range of foods to suddenly being very strict vegans and their periods disappear. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that, that's, that's a serious thing to me, at least. And they're usually very concerned. And, um, the reason that's kind of happening in Ayurveda just very briefly is we have these seven tissue levels and the seventh one are your reproductive organs and your sex organs and it takes 35 days to get from when you ate something to get to nourish those tissues the seventh mm-hmm. tissue level it's five days for each one so it's 35 days so the quality and the amount of food that you have to eat for it to filter through and get to the last bit at the day 35 and have anything left to nourish that part of your body is really important and often I have to encourage these women to eat kind of heavier foods like start having things like a little bit of ghee or something back into the diet because they've gone from like 100 to zero with their diet just like that and and the body's suddenly like well I don't get any nutrients anymore you know yes they might be having nutrients that you know because they're eating more plant food and whole foods but the body is really confused and you've got to if you're going to do those kind of things you've got to research it really well maybe start gently maybe go vegetarian first then vegan just you know just listen to your body if extreme things start happening your hair's falling out your periods have stopped then yeah maybe it's not right for you just because you've seen it working beautifully for someone else um I think there's I think it's the thing about Ayurveda is and it isn't it isn't extolling to be vegan or to be vegetarian. Um, you know, all food is is kind of okay, but it's a the quality of food, b the digestive firepower, and c the kind of spiritual aspect of of having gratitude for your food, like sitting down with your family, eating nicely. Um, you know, not in a rush. Not in a rush. And to take the focus, I, I try and say to people, you know, take the focus away from yourself a little bit as well. You know, don't always make, if you had a rubbish day, go into the kitchen, cook us some, if it's something really simple, even if it's, if you eat meat, if it's roasting a chicken or if it's just making a vegetable soup, do something that's going to be really, you're going to 
put love into that. Maybe make it for a friend or a family member with love. Sit down together, eat it. You are going to feel so much better after that because you, yeah. you know you're going to that energy, that positive energy that's gone into making that food, eating that food, just that mindfulness of chopping an onion or some veggies, whatever it is. I think it's. I think it's. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. And th- something that I talk about all the time and that I teach my clients is all about manifestation. And obviously, if you know anything about the concepts or ideas around the law of attraction, it's all based on energies. And so if you are believing in the power of energy or intention rather, which all of us have seen the power of intention in our own lives in some way, whether it's intentionally manifesting or not, when you put the intention behind something, there's such a strength and power to it. So why would it not work the same way with what we're eating or what we're drinking. And I've even seen such beautiful practices of people where they'll like hold the glass of water between their hands and say like a small prayer or a gratitude of like, I'm so grateful for this clean water that's going to cleanse and nourish and hydrate my body. And then they drink it and they it feels amazing, not only because of the water, but because of the intention and also just your own energy and positivity that you've put behind that mindful experience of eating or drinking something consciously rather than just kind of running out the door and throwing something into your face like so many of us have done yeah. so many times in our life. Yeah. I mean, myself included. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. But it's exactly what you've just said. Is, it's beautiful because it's exactly that, that moment, even just that moment of stillness and having gratitude for something as simple as a glass of water. It's raising your vibration that little bit higher as well. And it is putting out there that that more positive energy. And, and that comes back around. I do. But I really believe that, you know, I think what you put out comes back tenfold. So take time. If you've had a rubbish day, if you're listening to this, you've had a rubbish day. I hope you're listening to it in the kitchen cooking something delicious for yourself that you're going to enjoy eating with someone or on your own enjoy eating on your own and listen to us chat away (laughs) and and yeah feel that like with every mouthful just feel it nourishing you from within it can it really can be so powerful yeah, for sure. Oh, I could talk about this stuff forever. <laughs> I, I was so excited. I was telling my boyfriend before this, I was like, I'm so excited for this interview because Aww. like selfishly, I want to learn more about it and I want to get more into it. Um, but I'm sure the listeners have so enjoyed learning all about this and I'm sure that they're so intrigued. So you guys make sure that you go and give Claire a follow on Instagram. She's at the underscore Ayurveda underscore coach or head over to her website. If you're like, I need to figure this out. I've tried a million different things, diets. I have all these different symptoms. I know my body's speaking to me, but I don't know what it's trying to tell me. Go to her website, theayurvedacoach.com and set up a consultation with her. See if she can maybe help you with something. I told her before this, I was like, I need to work with you. How can I, (laughs) we need to get my gut health digestion everything. Under control. So as soon as I hit um, the the pause button on her record, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask her about that. But yeah. don't forget that her book is out in August and it's available for pre order right now on Amazon. So, yeah, yeah. So you can go on Amazon and you can search "Balance Your Agni," and I think it's only like ten euros or something like that. I, I yeah, was searching in Europe. It's eight ninety nine, eight pounds ninety nine, ten euros probably. It's a it's oh a bargain loaded with home remedies, all the information about all the doshas, agni, what to look out for, 
um, tips on strengthening immunity, relationships, understanding people when you understand their doshas, all that, you know, it really has a big Emotional impact side. in life. Absolutely. So, yeah, lots of rituals for the season, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's jam-packed. I'm really, really proud of it. And, and I hope that it will help a lot of people and they'll get a lot out of it. So. I'm sure they will. I've already pre-ordered my copy. So you guys should go and do the same. It is such a steal. Um, and it's such a great way to kind of get into this world and just learn a little bit more and see how it could maybe change something for you or help you in some way. So uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Claire. It was such a pleasure. I enjoyed this so, so much. And I can't wait for my listeners to go over and find you and learn all about your amazing tips, home remedies, recipes, all the things. I'm so excited. It's been absolutely brilliant. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. <laughs>